The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It's time for a different take on spirituality for the modern world. Welcome to Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. I'm Jim Lefter. I'm kind of a spiritual journeyman kind of guy, a media producer type. I run a website called youthrivehere.com, and I am here with our own Marvel-type superhero, Reverend Dr. Raymond Anderson, the Senior Minister for the Center for Spiritual Living in Greater Baltimore. How you doing, Raymond? I'm exceptionally well, and you, Jim? I'm doing good. Now, can you leap a tall building in a single bound, swing a mighty hammer, use the forces of the universe for good? Uh, most days. Not, not Mondays and not Sundays, but most other days, yes. <laughs> You're allowed to take a day off occasionally. Yeah, you know, you got, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> What does Thor do on a day off? I guess we saw kind of on a, in the <laughs> Avengers Endgame, we saw what happened. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, we, we saw, uh, yeah, exactly, no comment. <laughs> no comment, no comment. Mm-mm. With the dad bod, that's just... <laughs> I, I resemble that comment. <laughs> so, dueling quotes? Yes, my quotes are better than yours. You sure about that? You go first. I'll, I'll, I'll do a lightsaber duel with you about them. Okay, so not in a box, not with a fox. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> We've not could not green eggs and ham. No. Okay, so you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Unity is the basis of all there is. There is but one God, but one mind, but one spirit, and but one power. When I embody myself in my thoughts selfishly, I am separating myself from that which I think would be my good. You may think this is a very subtle thing and could not be the reason for so much trouble. It is the foundation of most of our troubles. I am unconsciously separating myself from my good. Any idea? Is that Eric Butterworth? Uh, Ernest Holmes. Uh, Of course. From his book, Love and Law. Oh, wow, yeah. That's great. That's yeah. Great. I should, you know, my first guess was Ernest Holmes, but then I, because you and I are doing a course on spiritual economics, I uh-huh, thought, right. I'm going to throw in Eric Butterworth. <laughs> and I started to. See, I had to throw you off. <laughs> uh-huh. All right, you ready for mine? It must be Eric Butterworth. Go for it. <laughs> 
How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world. Mr. Rogers. No, actually, it's attributed to Anne Frank. Ah, okay. Incredibly wise young person living in a difficult time. You know, she, you know, I, I can't verify for sure that this was a quote by her, but it certainly seems, you know, it, it's very relevant to me. Yes, and isn't it fitting that someone so wise as her would speak that wisdom, let's attribute it to her, and that in the era we are now with folks like Greta, that the youth are standing up and speaking out because the adults for so long have abused and trashed and you know damaged, and now the youth are speaking out. Which, which brings me to the surprise quote, extra quote. Uh-oh. The moment we decide to fulfill something, we can do anything. Ooh, amen. Who's that's that? Gre that's Greta Thunberg. Oh, good. See, uh-huh. <laughs> One mind. Wavelength, buddy, wavelength. Yes, yes, yes. It's that Charles Xavier telepathy happening. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's Charles. I just want to let you know, I caught that thought that you had last week about the cigar. I just want to let you know it's fine. <laughs> we will not comment on cigars here <laughs> i only have one every once in a while exactly all in moderation <laughs> all in moderation cool can you do me a favor and share that greta quote one more time yes uh the moment we decide to fulfill something we can do anything yeah i like that i, I think she gave it to the houses of Par parliament in the uh united kingdom okay yeah powerful yeah, such an incredible personality person for this day and age. And like you said, you know, the kids are kids are stepping up. Yeah. I mean, like you said, with regarding Sandy Hook, I mean, was it not that group of teenagers from the high school that stood forth and said, you know, we need to do something about the gun violence? Yeah. Now, the, the youth, whether they're indigenous youth or Greta or any of the others, they're standing forth and they're saying, look, we need to do something. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. they're 12-year-olds creating solar power water filters. Right, right. And, you know, this is, ties into some of the stuff we'll be talking with Ogan Holder about a little bit later. Mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it's, it's such an important time right now. We really need to, we need to step up as a nation, as a civilization. Amen to that. Yeah. I keep saying, telling folks it's time for humans to behave humanely. Oh, absolutely. All right. Audience, who won that quote battle? I think Greta did. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll let the Greta won. I'll, I'll, Greta won. Greta won. Greta won. <laughs> I like, I like the uh, green eggs and ham thing, but, you know, I don't think it won. Yeah. No, I don't think so. You know, Dr. Seuss is cool and all, but yeah, no. In comparison to Greta and Anne Frank, yeah, no. And now it's time for a new segment with Sarah Bowen. Spiritual Moment with Spiritual Rebel, Sarah Bowen. Hello, Big Universe listeners. Each week, Jim and Raymond toss me a few words, which I reflect on, and then offer a related spiritual practice for you to try. Today, the guys popped up two thoughts that, for many of us, already go hand in hand. Superheroes? and social activism. My friend Mike once told me that when he was a child, 
he thought there was no choice for his life purpose other than to be a firefighter. Not because his father or some other family member fought fires, nor because he loved fire trucks in the uniform. Nope. It was because on TV he had seen Smokey, a giant brown bear in pants and a hat, tell him it was his responsibility. Only you can prevent forest fires. Mike took that literally. Only he could help. Childhood symbols often imprint this strongly. For me, it has been the Star Wars universe. Whether it was Leia and the Rebel Alliance trying to save the world from Vader's destructive Death Star, or Finn and Rose releasing space horses from their stable prisons, or the woke droid L3 demanding equal rights for all life forms, I watch those characters seek something greater than their own individual glory. I recently tossed the following question up on Facebook. Who is your favorite childhood superhero and why? Wonder Woman made the list more than once. A damsel who broke free from distress, a powerful symbol of feminine power called to seek justice. X-Men's Phoenix, Rogue, and Mystique represented the awesome power of embracing your seeming oddness. Batman appeared for his dark vibe and lack of traditional superpowers. Followed by Superman, who was described as an ordinary person who could do the right thing without needing recognition. Post after post, people's answers tip me to what was important to them, what they valued in others, and what traits they most wanted to embody themselves. A few days later, I posted a second question. Who is your most inspiring spiritual rebel and why? Surprisingly, people were even more passionate about their answers. Many infamous personalities appeared, including St. Francis of Assisi, Jesus, the Dalai Lama, Desmond Tutu, and the mystic poet Kabir. Modern activists abounded, and a wide range of authors dominated the list. A number of people referenced their personal mentors or the leader of their spiritual community. And my dear friend Sushmita declared Yoda, perfectly bridging both questions. As I read the descriptions of just why these people were inspiring, I had an aha moment. Both our superheroes and spiritual rebels share being called, whether by the bat signal, a deep inner knowing, or divine intervention. Then I noted an important difference. While our superheroes are often called to solve the problem for us, our spiritual rebels often inspire us because they teach us how to become heroes ourselves. Myrtle Fillmore once said, The greatest help is to be able to show others how they may help themselves and become self-supporting and resourceful. Today's practice is one shared to me by Joshua Coombs, creator of the Instagram hashtag and global movement, Do Something for Nothing. Here's how it works. Grab some paper and a pen, or pop up in the keyboard on your device. Feel free to press the pause button if you need to. Okay, when you're ready, take a deep breath. Exhale. Now write down three things that interest you. These could be your passions, your loves, or things you think you're pretty good at. What are three things that make you feel good when you are doing them? Now, take another deep breath. Exhale. Now, write down three things in society that you're not happy with. Homelessness, factory farming, 
poverty, illiteracy, animal suffering. Again, it can be anything. What are the things that break your heart? Okay, now here's the homework time. Sometime today, set aside a few minutes to reflect on the possible parallels of these two lists. How can you do something in list one, what you love, to influence something in list two, what breaks your heart? The answer might not appear right away, but if you keep reflecting, you may just find your metaphorical cape. Thanks for joining me today. Read more about the link between superheroes and sacred activism in Spiritual Rebel from Monkfish Publishing, available wherever you buy books and at spiritual-rebel.com slash universe. May the source be with you. All right, shall we go ahead with our interview? Sounds good to me. Hope Ogan's ready. I hope he is. I don't know if he can be. Uh-oh. Sounds like trouble. <laughs> our guest today is Reverend Ogan Holder, Senior Minister at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Ogan's many titles include speaker, teacher, author, online radio show host, blogger, musician, parent, social media consultant, and most importantly, self-proclaimed geek. Raymond and I very much appreciate that. For sure. Glad to be here, gentlemen. I, I'm in good company with the geekdom. I know this for sure. Absolutely. And you didn't let me finish that your full-length book <laughs> is Rants to Revelations, unabashed, Unabashedly Honest Revel... Right. I can do this. Rants to Revelations, Unabashedly Honest Reflections on Life, Spirituality, and the Meaning of God. Um, can you make that title any longer? Do it. I tried, actually. That's, that's the shortened version. <laughs> that's a shortened version. <laughs> Well, uh, originally from Bar Barbados, Ogan moved to the USA in 1994 to pursue a degree in music therapy. I had no idea. Yep, yep, yep. Proud of it. So, uh, Ogan, welcome to Big Universe. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Uh, very quick, uh, we need some important things out of the way. First off, Marvel or DC? Is that a question? Marvel, of course. Start, start. Although, although, although last night, last night, you know what, you know what, uh, premiere last night. Yep. Batwoman. Yep. I heard about that. Batwoman. You know, not great, but not horrible. Jury's still out. Jury, jury, jury's still out. Okay. That's right, good I'll... enough. Yes. Um, All right, how next, about next uh, Star Wars prequels? Yes or no? Um, Star Wars prequels. <sighs> <laughs> given given the given the binary choice of yes or no, I guess I got to let me know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Original Star Trek or Next Gen? <laughs> Next Gen. Oh, oh my gosh! I can't talk to you anymore. And Next Gen streaming. I'm a big Next Gen. I'm a big Next Gen fan, but I'm original. Sorry. Um, and 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 props to Discovery as well. Okay. Uh, oh, Discovery, Discovery's magnet. Love Discovery. Awesome, okay. awesome yes. show, awesome show. So with that out of the way. <laughs> You are from Barbados, and you returned yes. to Barbados soon. I want to get right into this mm. to give a LGBTQ talk, and you stirred things up a little bit. Tell us about that. 
yeah, I, uh, I, I, I want to call that maybe the high point of my career, and who knows, who knows how else. They're still, they're still responding. In fact, wow. uh, last week, another, it was another letter to, to the editor in the, uh, in the local paper, which I have written a response and submitted it. So you'll see if it gets printed. I'll post it on social in a little bit. Uh, but yes, um, Barbados, it's uh, homosexuality, uh, being caught in the act is still illegal on the books, even though it's not, you know, really enforced. Um, Same-sex marriage is still sort of a pipe dream. Um, and the biggest advocates for the anti-LGBTQ, uh, you know, opposition, or the, 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 the biggest advocates, the loudest voices against the LGBT community are the churches, and and by churches, mostly things like you know evangelical, uh, Baptist, uh, you know that 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 vein of things. Um, the official religion we do have an official religion, Barbados is Anglican, and they are they seem neither pro nor against, okay. kind of. Um, and so this summer, um, the Pride organizations in Barbados held the country's second ever Pride Parade, and they invited me down because they know I'm an ally um, and I've made myself known to be one to um, conduct the, as far as we know, the first ever church service intentionally open to the Pride community, advertised as such. Um, so, in a lot of ways, um, it, it was a an historic event. Um, I got to speak in the parade, and when I spoke in the parade, that's when the trouble really started, because mm -hmm. in the parade, I put out a challenge to the Christian community in Barbados, which was to show me in the Bible where Jesus spoke out against homosexuality, because last I checked, Christianity is the movement that sprung out of the life and teachings of Jesus, so where's, where's that? Uh, admonition and I also issued a challenge to the allies because I didn't realize there were really there are really a lot of allies in Barbados right. there are people for whom this is not an issue but they're not being visible and vocal and I think part of that is because of still the stigma and and so I issued a challenge to them as well so yeah all hell's been breaking loose and admittedly I'm, I'm, I'm a little geographically distant from it. <laughs> so, so that's why it might be easier for me to stir up all of that, but, um, but it was time. Well, but he, okay. So geologically challenged that here in America, we still have a lot of, you know, stuff around yes. that issue. Yes, we do. So just in terms of your own self-realization and change, what made you opt to be an ally? Um, this, oh my, I'm almost embarrassed to say it's out loud, but when you get to know gay people, you realize they're people. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's just what it is. That's just what it is. More specifically, when I was in college, I had my first like huge crisis of faith when I, you know, found out about the story of the Bible. Um, and, and that upended everything it, 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 I, up to that point. I was on the other side of this. I was, I was the anti-LGBTQ person. I was the one telling people who were, you know, gay, bi, trans, you're going to hell. You know, what are you, what are you doing? Because um, the Bible said so. So when I had that whole transformative experience, I realized I was wrong about that, combined with getting to know some absolutely amazing people who were gay, who were lesbian, who were bi, and realized I was 100% wrong on this. Um, so that was my turnaround. Then, then on the heels of that, finding unity and unity's teachings, 
Um, so, but but it's only this year. This was that this year? Yeah, only this year that I um, returned home or was a presence, an actual visible vocal presence in my home country. It took, and you know, that turnaround happened late nineties. Right. Here we are, two thousand nineteen. It, it took that long for me to get brave enough to to be that ally. I wrote some stuff in my book, I've posted about it, but to actually go there and, you know, stir stuff up. Yeah, took a, took a while to get to that place. What was the gist of your talk that brought all this on? Um, so, so the talk when I was in Barbados was really this idea of trying to um, to get folks to to reexamine their relationship with the Bible and the things that they believe about homosexuality. Um, uh, this this is actually the the gist of the recent letter that I wrote that I'll post. Is basically this idea of if you're going to have this literal interpretation with the Bible and say homosexuality is wrong because God condemns it, then you're not reading your Bible carefully enough because there's plenty other stuff in there that god condemns that you're doing and i'm 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 talking about how you plant your crops in your field i'm talking about getting your hair cut i'm talking about and this was this was the good one how the bible specifically speaks about women in church right you know so if you're gonna let all the other stuff pass and slide because it was you know quote unquote that's how people lived back then these were just rules that were written for the Israelites. They don't apply to us. Oh, and my favorite, my absolute favorite, because of the new covenant that Jesus established, you know, and we believe in him, so we don't need to follow all those rules. I'm like, yeah, you're right about all that, but how come this piece doesn't get to apply here? What What's special about that? So so the shift I'm making now is, is out of arguing about the Bible because... Uh, Nothing I can say changed anybody's mind there, but realized this is a this is a comfort thing. This is a you we become comfortable with women speaking in churches and women in leadership. We realize we're better because of it. We become comfortable with 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 modern living that is, if you want to be literal, is ant- antithetical to what's in the Bible. But in many places and around the world, we have not become personally and culturally comfortable with homosexuality for whatever for whatever reason um so 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 my next invitation is for them to own up to that own up to the fact that you're not com- and it's okay that you're not comfortable don't throw god under the bus <laughs> if you're not comfortable you're not comfortable now let's let's look at that you know why why is allowing two men or two women the ability to get married how is that going to affect your life in any way you know, how is that going to stop you from being a loving husband and, or wife? How is that going to, you know, interfere with all the dating troubles that you have? How is that going to, like, how is that going to change your life in any way? How is that going to bring down or cause the ruin of society, you know, when there's tons of research out there to say the opposite? So, so a lot of this is also about education because, um, you know, when I spoke to people there and, and I got invited onto this very fascinating Christian radio show, uh, while I was there, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of thinking and beliefs that are just r- ridiculous, you know, um, about this. So, so part of it is the education campaign, and I think I think because 
I'm coming from a place in, of the religious context, um, it's, it's, getting more, it's getting more attention of the religious community, even if it's, you know, they think I'm leading people astray, agent of, agent of the devil and all that good stuff, you know. So uh, segueing off of that being an agent of the devil kind of thing. So one of the things that I most appreciate about you is the fact that you are not a standard read it and quote it kind of minister. Uh oh, like careful my, now. <laughs> like Don't get me in more trouble, man. Come on. <laughs> like my experience of you has been that you like to encourage people to change, transform, and evolve beyond you know, like their, their, their common paradigms. For example. Oh, here we go. Your <laughs> no, but seriously, your recent uh, sermon, message, talk, whatever we're calling those nowadays, uh -huh. uh, where you let the congregation know that God does not care about them. See, he knew he was going here. <laughs> Dude, I'm still getting calls and meetings about that, okay? Right, was that like two months ago? Contact Ogan directly, not us. <laughs> I was going to say, so apart from that, but what, what informs your spirituality and your way of showing up as a minister that takes you to that next level of, you know, evolutionary consciousness? And what do you, what um, do you mean by the, that, that comment, God doesn't care? So, um, my email is revogun, R-E-V-O-G-U-N, at unityontheriver.org. If you got questions or comments, just contact me directly. I'm, I'm cutting these guys loose from any blame or responsibility here. <laughs> of course, the disclaimer, the following comments are not reflective of the beliefs right, of the right. show and the hosts. Yeah, I got to tag that at the end of this. <laughs> so, 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 so why I said that, you know, so there's this old maxim, the purpose of, of ministers um, and I think this goes for stand-up comedians as well, having just watched Dave Chappelle's last show. The purpose of ministers is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, right? And even though they've met people in unity for years and years, and they've read or they've been told that in unity, we believe God is principle universal spiritual principle god's not a person god is principle so even though we intellectually for a lot of us equate that as yeah that makes sense because god's not an old man up in the sky you know so this makes sense however when it comes down to belief and relationship if you will we still treat god as this other being this other entity Yes, we say God is love, but then we're still in the next breath saying, yes, God loves me. God, God has his plan for my life, et cetera, et cetera. Right. That's, not in, that's not consistent with unity's teachings of God as principle. So that Sunday, as I was talking, I was doing kind of a series of reminding folks what this really means. Not only that, but how we can use that in our life, how that is our essence, and how we could use that to, I guess, manifest the life that we keep saying we want to have. So I said, um, if, you, if you believe you're comfortable with this idea, truly believe in that God's principle, how does it feel when I say this? God does not care about you. And there was an audible gasp <laughs> in the congregation as, as, I, as I said that. We'll be right back on Unity Online Radio with Big Universe.
You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to a slightly off-kilter look at spirituality. This is Big Universe with Jim Lefter and Reverend Raymond Anderson. We're back on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Our guest is Reverend Ogan Holder, Senior Minister at Unity on the River in Amesbury, Massachusetts. Now, the other piece I want to tag on to this is, this is not discount, because this is the, when people came afterwards and set up the meetings and gave me the phone calls and all that, this is not discounting people who've had mystical experiences. Because when you really uh, 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 get past the human self of you and you really tap into that limitless, you know, beyond time, beyond space, beyond everything essence that you are, and you have a mystical experience, that, that's what that is. Okay, I'm not discounting those. However, when I said that, it did jar a lot of people. And I've had a lot of people also come to me afterwards and say, you know what, you're right. As, as much as I, you know, practice affirmations and denials and unity and, 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 and develop my 12 powers and understand God as principle, until you said that, I didn't realize that I was still having this thought of, of God's, God's looking out for me. You know, or we say the universe is looking out for us, but let's just be clear, you know, all, all those synonyms, pseudonyms you want to call it, universe, God, spirit, whatever it is, um, is looking out for me and watching over me and protecting me and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, well, no, <laughs> no. In unity, we teach that, 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 that all that God is, is the essence of who you are. And as a result, you co-create that experience of your life. Now, I did follow it up the following week after they stood for a little bit by saying God is the principle of love and how we feel that is when we love each other and when we importantly love ourselves. So if you want to talk about feeling God's love, that's how it happens. That's how you feel the principle of love. How you feel the principle of God is abundance is when you give, when you receive, when you share. So you can feel the principles, but nothing's up there making the principle act on you. You got to choose to live from it. So that was the, that was that whole mess, which is still sort of rolling out. And certain people in this room, not you, Jen, keep bringing it up every time they go somewhere and see me. <laughs> so, so some people are not letting it go. <laughs> well, let me ask you this following up on that. Can, a, can you have a personal relationship with principle? I mean, can, can you feel a connection with principle without, you know, othering God, you know? Yeah, it's called yourself. So that's that's how you that's how you do it. You develop that in in unity. We call it the Christ nature. Uh, you 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 develop that. It's your essence, but it's your essence and potential. And because of who we are as human beings, uh, humanity on top of that, we got to choose that. We got to develop that. We got to expand that. We got to we got to raise, expand, deepen our consciousness into that. And as we do that, that's that's us. In unity, the term is individualization. That's individualizing and personalizing that. The, the, the trick is always, and again, I say this for, I guess, emphasis. The trick is always 
when we are tempted to see it as the other. Now, here's the paradox. Here's the paradox. I'm the fullness of God, in essence, and so are each one of you. So technically, in essence, your, your God is the other, right? But I can't tap into your consciousness <laughs> to co-create my experience. I, I, I can't do that. I, I only got me to work with. As I say to people, if you want, if you want to know God best, know yourself at your deepest level, because that—that's—that's—that's that's, that's who God is. That's what God is, you know. And you've been with yourself the longest, so it's—it's it's, yeah. Who else are you gonna know better? Dude, that's a dangerous idea. <laughs> but but here, listen. This is this this has always been Unity's teaching, and over the years. I think from a place of, of um, I don't want to get myself in trouble with the uni people. So I wouldn't even say, <laughs> I wouldn't even say softening. It's not so much softening, but it's, it's a hard lesson, especially when you have folks who walk into your church and they still thinking of God as the other. Now they left where they came before and they're, they're, they're really starting to realize for the first time, God's not the old man in the sky. So here's another, here's another interesting piece that came up. Somebody said to me, I get what you're saying, but let's think of the person who may have come in and they're in a 12 step program. And you know, in 12 steps, they, they, you have to surrender to a higher power. And you just said to a person, there is no God. <laughs> like what, like what, what, what are they supposed to walk away with? that i said no i didn't say there was a god there wasn't a god what i said god was was the was the purest essence of who you are the principle spiritual principle is a higher power right universal principle is the higher power the christ essence of who you are god self that's the higher power a bit of 12 step programs where atheists were there and they're like, dude, you can make the chair your higher power. The point in 12 step of higher power is that your willpower is not going to get it done. Right. So otherwise you wouldn't have been here in the first place. So, so let go of the will, your, your, your ego willpower being in control and surrender that to something else. And for me, that's, that's my higher Christ self, my Christ consciousness. Much appreciated. You're you're quite you're quite welcome, <laughs> and I and I promise that I will do my best not to bring that up again. <laughs> Listen, man, all publicity is good publicity as long as you quote me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in terms of you know your ministry being uh, a black minister of a predominantly or all white congregation, is that a, was that a question or? Oh, <laughs> which I would, I would say predominantly, and by, I guess predominantly 98%, okay. 99%, that's technically not all, but it's almost all. Right, right. So <laughs> in terms of where we are in our world today, uh, with, you know, race and ethnicity and all of these things, are there any particular challenges that you as a minister of color uh, face? in unity in this day and age in your congregation um no one yes so so um my church is um but our north of boston i'm in new england mm -hmm. you know pretty much the whitest corner of the country and but in many ways it's always been uh, more of a conscious leader in in the history of the country 
Boston notwithstanding, because it's, you know, as a, I think it was W. Kamau Bell, the comedian that said, uh, you know, you come to Boston, you get that nice soft racism, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not overtly in your face in the South, but, you know, it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> I believe the only difference between stand-up comedians and ministers is that stand-up comedians really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, they're kind of telling the same stories, yeah. you know. But anyways, um, so, so for me, I was very conscious of the fact that this, um, again, almost all-white church was hiring a black minister. By the way, I am their second minister. And the church is 25 years old. The, the founding first minister retired like five, six years ago. So, and, and she, was, she was the exact opposite of me, older white female. So a lot of questions came up for me. Is this congregation hiring me to prove the fact they've gotten over their last minister? So they're going to hire the exact opposite? Or, or is this congregation truly, you know, post-racial, uh, has no issues and you know and and i've come to realize it's it's a little bit of both it's somewhere in between uh there i would say that the the time that it got most uncomfortable for all of us was um in the five years i've been there is when we've seen in the public sphere um the the predominance of black men being shot by police officers, predominantly white police officers, the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, all this stuff, um, people getting arrested in Starbucks for just hanging out, you know, white America was all shocked. Black America called it Tuesday. So, you know, it's like, hello, glad y'all finally caught on. Um, right. so, so in a weird way, suddenly, you know, folks are looking to me to talk about this. And it's interesting because I was, I'm a bit of a stranger to that in that I grew up in a country where the numbers are reversed. In my country, you know, black is the majority color. Um, the policemen are black, the heads of government are black, you know, it's, it's not. So I, I, I didn't grow up with that stigma. Um, it, it, it's been interesting that I went to college in Virginia and uh, I can tell you a few stories of experiencing racism for the first time. Um, and interestingly enough, my first reaction when that happened was almost excitement. Ooh, look, I fit in. And then I was like, but wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> you know, it's been a second. I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. I just got, we didn't have the term racially profile, uh, racial profiling in 95, but I was like, oh, look, I just got racially profiled. Oh my God, so wait, what? You know, <laughs> so, so. So in many ways, suddenly I had to speak about this. And for me, it's always about my, my favorite mantra that I, uh, I live by and I share with everyone. Everything that shows up for us is an opportunity for us to show up as God. So how is this an opportunity for us to show up as God? How is this a, a, a spiritual learning? So whenever I speak about issues like this, whenever I speak about politics, whenever I speak about anything, I always frame it in the context of because, and uh, Ray, you said this too, everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual practice. Our politics is our spiritual practice. How we, how we spend money, how we buy things, how we vote. It's, it's our spiritual practice because what we're in essence saying, this is what I believe. 
And and don't hear me say I figured this out. I have struggled with this myself as I just ordered online a pair of 25th anniversary classic Nike Air Force Ones. And I'm like, you know, these are probably hand-sewn by some child in China somewhere, you know. So, so I've struggled with that. You know, for years, I've been a Verizon customer. Verizon is an organization that, you know, looks... A lot of sketchy. I don't even say a little sketchy. A lot of sketchy. And my money goes to support them, but I want to make sure my calls go through. So I'm going to be on the best network. So, I mean, every we struggle with all of this. These are these are real-world choices. Um, so, so to speak about this in my community was uncomfortable for everyone. And at the same time, I think it was something that after we got on the other side of it, it really caused people to to look at their lives and to say yeah i might be in this corner of the world and i may believe all these uh, 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 uh i'm seeing these things on the news and they're horrible but this isn't really happening here so this is not my problem so in order to introduce the idea of 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 white privilege to this congregation who've never had to talk about it before um the idea of if you want to see the change in the world we keep talking about, it's not enough just to talk about it, to be in action about it in some way, shape, or form. Sort of a new concept for them. I think it chased away a lot of my congregants who come because they don't want to hear about this. Um, you know, someone said to me, I come to church to escape all of that. And I said to them, well, that's not what I am here. I am here to give you spiritual tools to go back in the world to transform it. I'm not here to provide escape or safe haven uh, from for you. That's, that's not what I'm about. That's not what these spiritual tools are about. And if you doubt me, go read the New Testament. Go read the Gospels. Jesus was one of the biggest agitators and social justice uh, uh, proponents mm -hmm. of of his time according to the Gospels. You know, I think I stir stuff up, go read the Gospels. <laughs> right. So your connection with uh, cultural and, and, and social justice advocacy is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in New Thought, and we've talked about this before, a lot of people in New Thought who say, you know, you go internally, you know, and you take care of the world within you and that out pictures, um, but that sort of neglects our experience in this existence it feels what do you what do you say to that i say that's where you start you always start by going inwards so that you know you are responding from a place of consciousness not from a place of anger not from a place of fear not from a place of lack or desperation you're you're responding from a place of consciousness but transforming yourself while that is the important first step should never be the only step because, um, to, to go back to my congregant's point, um, when, when, if we live in a place where, where this may not be the visible experience, where this may be not our daily experience, it doesn't mean that we don't have a hand in bringing about the change. Faith without works is dead. You know? So people were like, well, what do we do? Do we go march? Is that any good? What do we do? I'm 60-something, 70-something years old. I'm not going to go hold up a picket sign in the sun. I feel helpless. What do I do? I'm like, there are many things you can do. Donate to organizations who are in the trenches doing the grunt work to bring about the change. Um, um, when you walk into the voting booth, 
And by the way, do it more than every four years is a presidential election. Do it every time there is an election. Um, you know, investigate what are the policies of the individuals who are on the ballot. Just don't vote along party lines, Democrat or Republican. Do your homework and make sure you're voting for people whose policies and then their actual work are towards bringing about the change you want to see. Um, that's, that's how we transform the world. First ourselves, and then we, 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 we spread and talk to people around us, and then that's, those are some ways we can be in action. Amen. So when people ask, when, you know, people ask me, you know, what do you do? I'm a unity minister. Oh, is that Unitarian? No, it's not. What's the difference? And I say basically the same message, but unity folks in the past tended to be more introspective, meditative, and Unitarians tend to be more go out, change the world, you know. Um, and folks who get tired of unity's sort of like just be, they go, they go become Unitarians. Oh, wow. And Unitarians who are like, you know, all right, the social justice stuff is wearing me out. I just need more contempl contemplation. And they come back over to unity. <laughs> so I actually had a couple of folks in my church who, like, have, you know, have gone back and forth as, as a result. Um, so it's, it's, yeah. Now, I say this, don't feel like you come to my church, there's going to be, like, you know, four or five social justice action things happening. That's... <laughs> That's not the spirit of our congregation. We're 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 now awakened to this, um, and and the best I can do is is lead by example. This is why doing this stuff in Barbados. This is why every once in a while, with my other you know uh, clergy brethren, interfaith clergy brethren in, in my area, sometimes we you know we'll go we'll go do protests or or, or rallies when we had that. Um, There's a big community clergy community um, um, rally. A few years ago, after the Texas shooting against against gun con uh, for gun control um, and stuff like that, and and these were topics that, to my knowledge, generally weren't spoke about openly in the congregation. But it's questions people ask about. It's things people are wondering about. You know, you have all these teachings and you speak about creating a reality and our world looks like a mess. Like, how do we reconcile this? So I got to talk about it. I, I don't think I'd be doing doing them any favors if I avoided it. Amen. Interesting. Um, now, in terms of new thought and, and unity, I guess we'll talk new thought in general. Um, what is your take on the state of, of new thought and what do you think needs to happen to, to move it forward? Cause we, we do need to kind of get into, we need to open up, I think. Well, when you say move it forward, what do you mean by that? I'm going to ask the questions now. What do you mean by move <laughs> it forward? Do you think it's stuck somewhere? <laughs> well, not necessarily. I just think, um, I'm, I'm curious to know how we open it up, I guess, to a, to a larger, Audience, I don't know if that's the word, or a larger. But I would, I would argue that we have, I, we have, but in not the way we wanted it to be. It's opened up to a much wider audience, but we thought that meant more people would be showing up in our churches. What's happened instead of these teachings have found in what I like to call a secular platform. Thank you, Oprah. Thank you, Eckhart Tolle. Thank you, all these people who write these other spiritual books. Um, I call it secular spirituality just to distinguish it from the traditional come to a church spiritual center Sunday morning kind of experience. Um, 
those teachings are, those are the norm. Like those are widespread. Um, and I think that as a result of that, more people are hearing the, the variants of new thought messaging, but because it's not necessarily attached to any particular new thought church or congregation, people who align themselves with the message, but don't want to deal with church and all the fun hassles, I'm air quoting, fun hassles that come along with church, they're like, great. You know, I can, I can listen to my Oprah Soul Sunday podcast. I can get together with friends and do a book group and read and study the book and put these teachings into my life. So I would argue that, I would argue that the new thought teachings have taken off. It's just not the way we thought it would happen. And now we're all ups- and now and now we're wondering like how do we compete with that? How do we get people in the church? Like <laughs> ah, you know. So let me segue off of Jim's question and ask, what do you foresee for the air quote new thought church going forward? Um, I I I tend not to do a lot of forward thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let me say future casting. That's better. I tend not to do a lot of future casting because. <laughs> Cause, cause if I, if I, if I do, if I do, I, I go down a spiral. <laughs> so, so, so for me, so for me, the only question is what is mine to do right now? And I'm not, I'm not trying to blow off the question or anything. I'm simply saying, I, I have no idea how this is going to play out. Like, I don't know. I, I personally believe there will always be those folks who want to gather in community to explore spirituality. You know, is that going to look, um, one of my, one of my, uh, Unity professors, um, uh, Tom Shepard, used to say unity is uh, spiritually, culturally Christian, spiritually unlimited. You know, this idea that many of us are still caught in this hundreds-year-old model of get together on Sunday morning, singing songs, hearing the minister speak, you know, having some fellowship, and that's church. Um, and, 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 you know, the messages in churches have, has evolved, but the format's kind of still the same. And as we know, there there ain't no format that doesn't have a shelf life, <laughs> you know, a time span. So so this format may come to an end. It may come to the end of my lifetime, my kids' lifetime, my grandkids' lifetime. I don't know. But what I'm clear about, people will always gather to for spiritual exploration. And I have no idea how that's gonna look in the future. Um, in my book, I did see the reason I don't future cast is because I did some in my book and it upset a lot of people. Oh. The, so the very last chapter of my book, and this was based on a paper I wrote for a symposium. Unity Village had a symposium a few years back, and the topic was the future of church. And people were addressing topics like these. I skipped all that. I went way future, right? <laughs> I went way, way future. I went, I went post-singularity future. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, when the sing, when the technological singularity happens, and eventually we can map the you know, the electronic impulses in our brain and, and, and we can, we can, we can copy consciousness, you know, what's going to happen is like, we will literally achieve immortality. And when we achieve immortality, we will have no use for God. Like Nietzsche said, God is dead a long time ago, right? Wait till we figure out how we can port this consciousness and just transfer it from one shell to the other. And we ain't going nowhere. Like literally no use for God because whether we want to admit it or not, our, our desire for something, you know, we broadly call God is very connected to our sense of mortality. 
So when that happens, boom, God's gone, then what's the point? Now, where, where I went with this was, what then becomes sacred is not God, but humanity. Because now we're porting our consciousness from cyborg shell to cyborg shell. What, what does it mean to be human? And now that becomes the new spirituality, if you will. So I said this, and people lost their ever-loving mind. <laughs> when you do future, you do future. Right? Oh, my God. You would I don't understand. You would have thought I said, go burn the churches down now. People were upset. I was like, guys, I'm, I'm just playing around here. Like, you know, I'm not a futurist. Like, I have no idea this is going to happen. I'm just, just playing with it. Oh, my. It was a thing, man. So... Yeah, I had to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, one last important question. Doctor Who or Doctor Strange? Strange. <laughs> and and listen, I, 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 I grew up watching some Doctor Who because I grew up in Barbados, lots of, a lot of British programming, you know, Doctor Who in the 80s. I forget the guy who played it, Tom, somebody, I don't know. But, uh, you know, so I grew up watching some Doctor Who um, and, and that was a very uh, formative sci-fi experience for me growing up, but I'm a Marvel guy and Dr. Strange, man, he, he had me every time. So yeah, there, sure. there, there you go. <laughs> great, great. Well, thanks for visiting with us, uh, Ogan. We really appreciate it. You are more than welcome. This, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Ogan Holder is also the host of uh, Pub Theology, so check out his yeah. podcast there. I almost forgot which one this was. I was getting my bear up the freezer. I was like, "Wait, no, that's that's not this show," because <laughs> I got to record. I got to go record that in like a, in like a half an hour. Right. <laughs> so it's like got confused. Right. Uh, remember, any complaints or qu questions, write to Ogan directly. <laughs> Rev Ogan at UnityUnderRiver.org. <laughs> If you want uh, more information about Raymond Anderson, go to RaymondAnderson.com. I've also got some video courses from uh, great instructors on my website called YouThriveHere.com. Join me there, won't you? And thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on Big Universe on Unity Online Radio. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.